Hello, dear listener. Rochelle and I are on break for the holidays, but we wanted to put together a little clip episode for you, a little bonus episode uh, from one of our most popular episodes from the preceding year. Uh, so the episode in question is called Time Does Not Equal Money. It's number 219. And the basic premise of the episode is that working harder does not necessarily increase value for your clients and therefore money in your pocket. Check it out. And if any of the clips sound interesting or you want to hear more, you can uh, look in the show notes for a link to episode 219, Time Does Not Equal Money. On to the show but think of what's going on there. So like, let's say the client says like 50 grand, like we weren't expecting that much. And then you say, yeah, but look at how much work it's going to be. So that's why, like, that's the logic. But really the client doesn't care how much work it is. The client cares about your contribution to the outcome. They care about the transformation. So it, and it's, it's difficult. It's honestly difficult to come up with a labor, a hands, a hands approach for that third option that the client actually cares about. But that's so, that's a whole mindset shift, right? That all of a sudden you're going to be paid for access and it feels weird when you do it the first time. You're like, nobody could possibly just want access to me and want to pay all that money just mm-hmm. because maybe they're going to ask me a question. Mm-hmm. It right. feels, it, and it can even feel like highway robbery a little bit. It's the same kind of thing. It's like to justify this price it feels weird that the thing that they want is actually easier than than me loading all of this junk into the garage and saying like look yeah. i did it you know you owe me the money it was really interesting because i said well what do you think about this price I'm like no too low too low no. okay yeah. what do you think about this price better yeah. <laughs> or or sometimes i said well what would you pay for like in the later interviews by then i kind of had you know, I pretty much knew where we were going with this. I said, so what would what would make you buy this and what would you say no, no to? And they'd say no to a low price tag. That was the first no. In a weird way, it's a form of value pricing, right? Because the client values who's in the room most of all, and he's put a flat price on, on that value. My folks who are maybe would call themselves freelancers that are trying to get into value pricing, the the reason it's so difficult for them is because they've never had a conversation with their past clients about what what value added. What was the transformation? After we were done, how were you better off? You can take a bus from Providence to Boston and you can sit inside or you can be strapped to the front. Both... (laughs) Both approaches get you to Boston, but one of them is a lot more comfortable than the other one. And the the billing hourly for a long project like that feels like being strapped to the front of the bus. I mean, for someone who's just starting to think about this and the idea of value pricing, you know, scares them down to their toes, the starting place is figure out what your clients do value so that you understand going in what your a part of producing, 
because it's it's rare for us to be like the only cog in the wheel. But when you understand what it's going to produce, you can work differently on the project. You can work at a higher level. You can be more effective. You can ask better questions. You can give better feedback. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a power play, and I don't mean that in in a way that makes the client not have power. It makes you it levels you up to partnering with your client versus being seen as say a vendor. So when when you're when you're used to you know selling an hour of Rails development for two hundred bucks, and you're like you have a kind of a a, a freelancer, aka mercenary freelance mercenary attitude of like well look i don't know i don't care what's it's like you know whatever they tell me what to build and i built it like you know you're not really thinking like the business owner is thinking the business owner is thinking about like man if i could just add these features before black friday for that big launch i know that ha- having that bullet point on the website is gonna increase sales by 20 percent this year but it, you're just like i don't know man I'm just like writing code they tell me to write code and i write it and like you know it's this much, you know, you're, you're just thinking like a ditch digger instead of thinking like, you know, the excavation company. When you're value pricing, you can increase your altitude, the, the, the level at which you engage with the client. It goes farther. You could think of it as upstream or you could think of it as farther up the organization. And almost invariably, it's less work, it's less labor, because you're taking these years of smarts that you've built up and you're leveraging those. You, you've used all of that time educating yourself and becoming you know, wise about what's a bad thing to do and learning all these rules of thumb and all the exceptions to the rules of thumb and just being a real pro. And you can, you can partner with the owner. You can partner with people at the top of really large departments and and improve their experience of the trip from Providence to Boston by making them comfortable. And they'll pay tons of money for that, even though it's very easy for you. Easy does not mean low value. There's a psychological problem there with a lot of people where they're like, it's too easy. And it's like, yeah, it's your superpower. And you spent 10 years creating it. So of course, it should be easy, right? That's the whole thing. They want someone, they want to find someone who eats this stuff for breakfast? Like that's exactly what they're looking for. It's like, yeah, but I can't. It's too eat. I can't take fifty grand for something where I, <laughs> no, like didn't. It's not I fair. Feel like I didn't do anything. It's like, well, you yeah. did. If you if you think like that, if you feel like that, it's because you don't understand what your client's buying. If your goal is to get to this advisory retainer model, forget what the price is, but that model, then start to look at where are you now. And how can you organize some services or productized services that will get you closer to that? And chances are it's not going to work with your existing clients because they're happy with you doing extra pair of hand stuff. But it's something you can talk about with future clients. It's something you can put on your website to start the conversation. So it's I, I just see this as an iterative process where you can start where you are right now and think about creating something that gets you a step closer to where you want to be. I think it's important to have a page where you have a paid phone call or Zoom call, however you want to structure it, because you will get people going, I want to pick your brain about X. And sometimes you want to do that. And other times you're like, I'd be happy to do that if I'm paid, but I don't want to just do it. So you have this, it's just a great way to deal with people that you're not sure are serious. If you can solve that problem, 
if you can solve that riddle, like how would I get, how would someone be glad to pay me $500 to talk to me for, you know, around an hour, then you're really onto something because you've, you've taken the hands out of it and you're selling your brains. And that's what it's all about. I mean, really everything that we're talking about in this episode, it's moving up that ladder Mm -hmm. so that you're, you're selling brains. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Jonathan Stark. I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.